Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. When Carolyn Mancuso was in the third grade, she decided to join her school's cross-country team. To be completely honest, I started running for reasons completely unrelated to my mom. I, uh, did, I found out that if you join the cross-country team, you got a day off of school. <laughs> and I thought that was just awesome. Then she came home and told her mom about the decision. Here's Maureen, her mom. And I said, what do you want to do that for? Don't you know how much work that is? <laughs> and anyway, so... I started taking her and I said, you know, can I stay and watch your practices? Nope. <laughs> so I would go home and then one day I snuck and stayed and watched from behind the scenes where she couldn't see me. And then she's stopping along, picking up flowers and daisies. and uh, Only made it to, to one race and came 76th out of 77. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting up early to take you to this so you can get going. <laughs> when Maureen was allowed at track meets... She wasn't the sit-in-the-bleachers type of parent. It was so much fun going to her races because I got to cheer everybody on. And um, she'd get upset with me because I'd be going, you better move it. You better move it. They're coming up. You better watch your back. Watch her. She's closing in on you. And then the next person would come and say, you get her. Go get her. She's tiring. Go get her. (laughs) And so Carolyn would get, Mom, be quiet. And then another time at the races, I was sitting there watching one of the high school relay teams practice, and they they could not pass the baton right. They didn't have the right system going. And so I watched, and I watched, and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So I went down, and I got the team together, and I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. You're going to pass from this hand to this hand, this hand to this hand to this hand. And I come back, and Carolyn says, Mom, we're racing against them. If they beat us... <laughs> It's the kind of response that any kid would have seeing their mom encourage the other team. Maureen was an enthusiastic parent for sure. Yes, she is the best cheerleader. She is the person that you want at, um, you know, that last that last 400 meters of the race. She is the person you want at that mark. Um, Carolyn got better. And her second year in cross country? So I, uh, I won a third place medal and was super excited about running and about, well, about running. And so... My grandma was over, my mom's mom, and I, I have no idea why, but for whatever reason, I just said one day, I was like, did, did my mom ever run? And she looked at my mom and said, you, you haven't told her? What Carolyn didn't know, and for that matter, hardly anybody knew, or still knows, is that Maureen's knowledge and love for the sport It wasn't casual. Maureen was a runner when she was younger, but not just any runner. 
she broke a world record. I was totally amazed. I thought it was just the greatest thing ever. And honestly, I was starstruck. <laughs> and she, she's been my, you know, she became my running role model and she's been my hero ever since. I'm Rachel Swaby, and this is Human Race. In each episode of Human Race, we tell stories about runners and the world of running. This week, the untold story of a women's running revolutionary. On May 6, 1967, a 13-year-old Canadian named Maureen Wilton broke the female marathon world record, running in 3 hours, 15 minutes, and 23 seconds. Three years later, she disappeared from the running scene altogether. Producer Kit Fox will help tell this story. It's been exactly 50 years since that historic run. In that time, we've seen a seismic boom in the growth of women's running. Women now outnumber men in every distance but the marathon. And we celebrate the revolutionaries that made that possible. They've become household names. So women like Katherine Switzer and Bobby Gibb and Joan Benoit Samuelson. Noticeably not on that list, a tiny, wiry 13-year-old girl that made history in spite of tremendous adversity. Where did Maureen Wilton go? And why did her incredible achievement fail to capture our attention? That is our story today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Toronto. Local time is 10.13. For your safety, please remain seated with your seatbelt. In March, Kit and I flew to Toronto to meet Maureen Mancuso. Mancuso is her married name. I first learned about her earlier this year from the CBC. It's the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. And the headline was, How a 13-Year-Old Canadian Girl Ran the World's Fastest Marathon. And so I, I saw this and I was like, this has to be fake, right? Turns out, not fake. Definitely not fake. Then I thought, how does nobody know who this is? I mean, I work at Runner's World and I had no idea. And I started asking other people and they had no idea. So... We just had to meet her. Sorry, we're a little later than we oh, thought. Nice to meet you, Rachel. Nice to meet you, Kit. Yeah. Maureen. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Maureen is 63. Short and lithe. Even with a sweater and necklace on, she's athletic looking. Maureen doesn't run anymore, and she rarely talks about her running past. But in anticipation for our arrival, she took out a stack of scrapbooks. She got them from a shelf in her bedroom. Are they organized, like, chronologically here? Yes. So, okay. So is this so the this start? this is the okay. start of the book that... And then wow. I... Yeah. So we've got, like, the, the browning tape even here for right. the scotch tape. So some tape. of them are falling off. I, I like it in the original form. So these were the really early years when we were 10 and 11. What are some of the headlines here? Local runners place first and third. 11-year-old champ banned in Hamilton. There was a lot of banning going on in those days. They weren't allowed to do certain local girls steal show in the U.S. run. Sorry. The scrapbooks were put together by Maureen's mom. They're stuffed with news articles and pictures chronicling Maureen's brief running career. I don't know. How many articles do you think there were in there? There were a lot. I would say there's more than 100, probably less than 200. Can you just read that headline? Little Maureen runs up a storm at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Um, I believe this run was on the outside of the stadium, but little Maureen Wilton set a record in Yankees. Oh, in Yankee Stadium last Sunday, but she won't be signing up with the Yankees. Darn. 
<laughs> Their pay was, <laughs> was more than mine. <laughs> she won the first ever North American championships for women in the five miler, finished in 31 minutes and 26 seconds. Wow. Okay, and hold on. So you, you won the first ever five mile race. I guess. Opened. <laughs> when you put it that way, I guess I did. On every page, it continues like this. News clipping after news clipping of cross-country races won and track meets conquered. Exhaustion from the Willowdale. Runners returned from the weekend with a large collection of trophies and ribbons in exchange for exhaustion and gallons of perspiration <laughs> shed in the hot weather. So delicately put. <laughs> Marines started running in 1964. Uh, my brother came home from high school after a track and field meet, and he had some ribbons with them. And my other brother and I thought that was really neat. And so we asked, him, you know, how'd you get them? And he told us running in a race. And so we thought, we want to run in a race. So my younger brother and I joined a track club. And that's how we started. That's where it all began. Maureen was 10. Her parents found a track club in their neighborhood that accepted girls. The coach, named Sai Ma, was also the high school's track coach. Sai had a daughter a year older than Maureen named Brenda. And when Maureen's parents reached out, he was already coaching his daughter. Sai and Brenda welcomed Maureen. And they got moving right away. Within a month, Sai entered Maureen into her first race. I took off like, whew. And then I was so upset because two people passed me at the finish line. I was like, what's going on here? I don't remember what I came, but I, I took off way too fast. I was like so excited in supercharge mode and then just died. <laughs> and it was like, pass, pass, pass. Marine was hooked. We, we competed in everything. I was, I'm like 5'2 now, and I competed in high jump, discus, shot put. <laughs> we did it all. Long jump, triple jump, we just competed in everything. Sai entered them into local races and then throughout Canada and America. It didn't take long before Maureen and Brenda were traveling to compete every weekend. And once Maureen got her supercharged mode under control with training, she started to excel at the longer distances. What did it, what did it, what did it feel like to run and be successful at it? I guess, I guess it's like freedom, freedom away from school. It felt very free to run. And it clears your mind, and it just feels good. I can go to a track now, and I just love being there. I can just walk around the track. I can jog around the track, and I don't want to leave because it seems like all the pressures of life disappear. As preteens in the 1960s, competing posed some challenges. There just weren't opportunities for kids her age. So when she'd compete, she'd typically run in an older division. That was no problem. However, there was this one athletic union championship event. Maureen was under the age requirement, and she won the race. But because of her age, she was stripped of the prize. Toronto runner won the race, but another won the amateur athletic union championships, which went with it Sunday in a one-and-a-half-mile cross-country run at Here's what happened. Maureen's coach negotiated with the AAU. That's an amateur athletic union to let Marine run in the championships. But the minimum age for runners was 14. Marine was only 12. So although Marine took first place and set a course record, the runner-up took the prize. <laughs> so you, That's the one my daughter was talking about. She says, you make sure you tell them about that one that you got ripped off. She's my biggest fan. 
But the bigger issue was her gender. Maureen loved running, but in most places they went, there were few girls competing. And in others, there were none. She and her coach had to take some creative approaches to training and competing. Just looking at these photos, they're so cool. All right, where are you? Are you guys, okay. So you are far and away the smallest person in that race. <laughs> I think that it looks like they're all men. In this photo, we see Maureen and Brenda at the front of the pack, leading a bunch of high school boys. Can you describe what we're looking, what we're seeing? Cy, remember, also coached the high school boys track team, so he'd bring his daughter Brenda and Maureen to practice with him. But, like, in those early days, like, what was your interaction with these high school male runners? Uh, was it intimidating for you guys? Was it... That's the way we started, so that's all we knew. It was probably more intimidating. <laughs> I mean, there you guys are at the front of this pack. That to come out wrong, right? It, you know what I mean? That the the young girls were beating them. Yeah, it was more intimidating for them that you guys were better. To come out looking sounding, you know. Oh, you got to be a little bit more. Uh, you got braggadocious here. You, so, like, were no, you? No, because that's what because that's what causes all the problems in the first place, right? What do you mean by that? When, if you if you take, um, I beat you. You know what I mean? This is off the record. <laughs> <laughs> this is so off the record. It's so not. It's so not off the record. No, no, no. Like... Then it zipped. <laughs> No, wait, wait, was it, what do you mean by that? Like, I think what it would be the same thing today, right? It's not good for girls to be beating boys at an age when they're fragile and flaunting it. It should be just together. And we encourage each other, and we encourage each other in our races and in our workouts. And that's the way it should stay. But egos on both sides are extremely vulnerable at that age level. And so you don't want to mess with it. You want everybody to feel good about the experience. Let's be honest, you were 10 and you were beating them, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know, I guess it's her Canadian niceness, but Maureen just wouldn't admit one simple and awesome truth. She repeatedly kicked the ass of these dudes that were twice her size and years older than she was. Out on the track and cross-country courses around North America, as she zipped by the boys, her friends and coach had a nickname for her. They called her Little Mo. I think we sometimes look back at women who ran in the 50s and 60s and think, oh, they must be doing this to make some sort of statement because it was so rare and because of the adversity they faced. This was, after all, a time when women were banned from marathons, and training long distances was viewed as unfeminine and dangerous. But Maureen wasn't running to make a political statement. She liked running, competing, and spending time with Brenda. On the drive to competitions, they'd listen to the Beatles and Beach Boys and sing 99 bottles of beer on the wall in its entirety. In retrospect, Marie knows her coach purposely put them in a position that would challenge the existing limits for girls running. Most of the time, though, she didn't even notice. But sometimes others did. Like this one time, Marie's coach entered them into a high school boys cross-country meet. Okay, how did the meet go? It went good. (laughs) It went well. 
You're, you're smiling I, here and blushing a little bit. That means you won the meet, right? I don't remember if I, if I won it, but I know that it bothered some of the boys in the race. And like in what way? Being beat by a female. Well, well of, uh, of course that. But like, how did they show that they were bothered? Were there comments? Do you remember like what they said or I what they did? Really, yeah. I don't really remember a lot of the feedback I would get like later on. So I don't think they the boys like that that kind of stuff. You know, getting beat by a I don't think they so much did it, but And sometimes that how that gets around to you, the pressure feels almost worse in a way because you didn't experience it yourself. And so you're, if you're hearing from the kids who told the parents who are who you're overhearing, you may feel weird around people well, because, afterward yeah, because we trained with the with the boys all the time with high school boys all the time it was never an issue so when you get a little bit of feedback afterwards like really why did like your friends outside of track or anyone think it was like strange that you were interested in it not really that i noticed not really that i knew of in the younger years and when i was in high school um, somebody in high school said to my brother, are you sure she knows she's a girl? And that almost caused a fight. <laughs> but that was really the only thing with people I knew that I knew about. I think it's easy to slip into this feeling like this situation with Marine and the boys is normal. I mean, maybe you could understand why these guys were pissed that a little preteen girl was beating them. But the disapproval over Marine's running you know, it didn't just come from a few disgruntled teens, who, by the way, she beat. As we leaf through her scrapbooks, there are articles about officials from the Amateur Athletic Union speaking out against Maureen's participation in the sport. And her mom chose to include these clippings, along with accounts of her wins. Women's running was in its infancy. Whether she realized it or not, what she was doing was revolutionary. With every race and every win, Little Mo was opening up space for another girl, or proving to an aspiring runner that there was a place for them. But up until this point, her impact was incremental. So as she got faster, her coach wanted her to do something bigger. He wanted her to make a truly historical statement. So at age 13, on a suburban loop in northern Toronto, Little Mo did just that. She cemented herself in running history, then she disappeared from the running scene altogether. How did this happen and where did she go? Find out after the break. And we're back. Back in 1967. In 1967, Maureen was 13 and she was in great shape. She'd been training hard with speed work and long runs, and she'd had plenty of success at longer distances as she competed all over North America. In Maureen, her coach saw the potential to do something extraordinary. He believed this 13-year-old could not only complete a marathon, but could break the world record for women, too. My co- With the marathon, my coach came to me and asked me, he said, do you want to do a marathon? And I said what is it (laughs) and he said it's a long race and I said well how long and he said and he told me and I said well that is a long race (laughs) 
so I just said, sure. I said, how, fa how fast do I have to run it? What pace? And he told me, and I said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. What Cy was asking Maureen to do was a big deal. First, because a marathon is a really long distance. It's 26.2 miles, and you have to train for months to be able to run that long. But it probably was a bigger deal because in 1967, women were banned from most marathons, including the Boston Marathon. You know, official cited reasons ranging from generalized health concerns to harming reproductive organs. So when women ran the distance, the records weren't officially sanctioned, which brings us to the world record of the day. Simon knew that the unofficial record was held by this woman named Mildred Sampson from New Zealand. That record was three hours and 19 minutes, a seven minute and 36 second pace. Now, Maureen was running 10 miles at a six minute 30 second pace. And, you know, if maintained over 26.2 miles, Maureen would finish almost half an hour faster than the current record holder. In other words... I wasn't afraid of the distance. I wasn't afraid of the pace. Because the distance was so much longer than what we usually raced at, the pace was so much slower. And it was actually set at a, at a pace that was much lower than what it should have been. Because Maureen had never run the marathon... She and her coach planned for her to stick to a conservative pace, seven minutes and 30 seconds per mile. That would slow Maureen's typical pace down considerably, while still allowing her to beat the record. At the same time as she was planning to run, women were finding other ways to test the boundaries of the marathon. On April 16, 1967, Catherine Switzer was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon with a bib. She made international headlines when a Boston race official tried to pull her off the course. But she finished. And when she did, Cy Ma, Maureen's coach, he got in touch. Cy wanted to drum up a little publicity of his own for this world record attempt in Canada. So he asked Catherine Switzer to actually come run the race. She said yes. So two weeks after she finished the Boston Marathon, on May 6th, Catherine Switzer lined up to run the Eastern Canadian Marathon Championships. Also in that race were 28 men and 13-year-old Maureen Wilton. I just remember feeling really uncomfortable in the starting line because there was all this controversy going on. So I sort of stayed on the sidelines with my mother going, oh, no, it's okay. Go, go. Just go on the starting line. It's fine. And I'm I felt uneasy about it because I knew there was all this conflict. There was just a month between the time Maureen agreed to run a marathon and the actual race. She was in really good shape. But in that short period, everyone piped up with an opinion. She remembers that the parents in the club talked about the bubbling controversy. The coaches in the club talked about it. The AAU was giving them a hard time, didn't want them to do it, didn't think it should be done, didn't think it was a healthy thing to do. They questioned my parents on allowing me to do it. Um. One AAU official said, and this was printed in the paper, that the attempt was no better than, quote, pushing peanuts up a hill with your nose. So worthless, basically. Putting yourself in kind of your 13-year-old mind. Well, That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's ridiculous. Really? 
because we were running all the time. We were running long distances all the time. I think we were a little bit intimidated by everybody saying we shouldn't be doing it. So we kept it, we'll just beat it because we'd never done it before. We didn't know what we were getting into, really. The story of Maureen's marathon, like the story of Maureen herself, is not a typical one. As we leafed through Maureen's scrapbook, we stumbled upon an extraordinary account of her run. Typed up on now yellowing paper, a poem, composed by one of the fathers of someone on her running team, chronicling the race. You know you're reading that for us, right? Yeah. I am? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. This is awesome. This is amazing. Can you read it for us? Okay. It's 1967 on the 6th day of May. 30 runners are assembled for a race today. A race to test the stamina of every well-trained man. No man shall rest till over 6 and 20 miles he's ran, nor little Mo. Who's little Mo? A girl you say of 13 years and 80 pounds who'll run this marathon today whene'er the starter's pistol sounds. That's Mo. They're at the line and on their marks. They're set, the starter's pistol barks. They're off, the pace they set is fast. How many men can hope to last, or little Mo? The 30 disappear from sight, each man to carry on his fight against the miles, the thirst, the heat, the aching muscles, blistered feet, and little Mo. Five miles and more, a lap is finished, yet pace nor field have not diminished. Two men stretch out to sheriff's place, some settle down to slower pace, not little Mo. She passes by in 16th place, her coach beside her setting pace. The crowd gives a hand as she strides along, her pace is constant, steady, strong. That's Mo. One more lap finished, 14 now, this gutsy kid is showing them how, but that's only 10. With 16 to go, the strain on the leaders is starting to show, not on Mo. 16 miles have have elapsed, a speck comes in view, picking off runners, she passes one, two. Mo grins to the crowd, now they're cheering her on, she has stolen their hearts in her first marathon. They're Mo. The next lap is tough, several call it a day, the leaders drop out, having led all the way. Mo paced by Carol throughout the fourth lap, has moved into eighth and is closing the gap. Go Mo. After 21 miles, she pauses to drink, then off after the pack to see her, you'd think. She was starting the race, not nearing the end, still striding strongly. She's off around the bend, mighty Mo. Five runners have finished, now Mo comes in sight. She sprints the last mile like a rabbit in flight. She moved into six in remarkable style to finish the grind with a six-minute mile, mighty Mo. Not just a fine race, the fastest time yet, a women's world record this youngster has set. She may be a mite, but she's our mighty Mo. With the heart of a lion, she's stolen our show. Little Mo. If this be a sample of youth today, when faced with a challenge to fight and to stay, till the end has been reached, the difficult done, the new generation will run second to none. Not our Mo. That line should actually be, but our Mo. There was a water stain, so it was hard to read. I love it. I feel like I was getting kind of teary. I was like, this should be a children's book. This is unbelievable. That was incredible. Wow. So it sounds so dramatic, like storybook even, like it it should be made into a movie. 13-year-old girl blazes to the finish in 3 hours, 15 minutes, 22.8 seconds. Shattering the previous record by four minutes, silencing criticism, showing the world what's possible. 
Catherine Switzer, another important figure in the history of women's running, she finished behind her. But here's the thing. In reality, the finish of that marathon was lackluster and controversial. I mean, Maureen wasn't even sure that she broke the record when she crossed that finish line. When she had a mile to go, she saw her mom, and her mom delivered some bad news. Towards the end, my, I think there was a mile to go, and my mother said, oh, the watch was wrong, you're not going to get the record. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, why? We've been running the right pace. <laughs> and so that's why I ran the last mile in six minutes, because I thought that we weren't going to get it. And then I crossed the finish line, and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> we didn't get it. That finish line sign, by the way, was a white piece of poster board with finish line written out in Sharpie. After she passed it. And then somebody said, no, no, you got it. You broke the record. So. So what? So that was exciting. But then they started um, arguing about it. Um, Somebody came up with, she was hitchhiking. I don't know. It was just weird I don't know an official came up to me and said did you run that whole race and I said yes I didn't know where that was coming from and then somebody said I don't know something about hitchhiking or something it was ridiculous because I had somebody with me all the time so I don't know so you were accused of cheating basically (laughs) so Another thing that they were throwing at you as a young woman trying to do something great. They were like, oh, oh, you just did the thing that they didn't think you could do? She must not have been able to do it. 13-year-old girl running against men. I guess they just, they found it hard to believe that I could do it. You didn't have your moment of glory. You didn't have the moment where no, you're like, it was I... ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. So it was like a two-minute thing, and then it was over. And it was like, no, no, you got the record. We're giving it to you. And I'm like, gee, thanks. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, it's literally the, the opposite of what, you, what a world record would be today, right? Totally. Totally different. You go to school on Monday. You're a marathon world record holder. What were what like? What were the reactions outside of your your family and like your track friends? What were the reactions of other people? Don't think they did it. I don't think it was mentioned. <laughs> I honestly can't. Re- I don't think it was mentioned. I don't remember anything at school. Yeah. Okay. At the time, there was some press about Marine's unofficial record. Here's one passage from an article in her scrapbook. So Saimaw was awakened at 1 a.m. Monday by the telephone. It was London calling. We understand Maureen Wilton is only 13, asked a voice, and she bettered the world marathon record for women. Sai was phoned by news agencies all over the world. One asked if little Mo was really a girl or was she a male athlete in disguise. Everywhere they think this is amazing, said Ma, except in Toronto. And Ma is right. The best our sports officials could do for Maureen Wilton was throw up a chorus of dissent. What a disappointment it must be for her to read that her feet was without purpose. Let's face it, no words, no matter what or who says them, will erase this brilliant performance by this North York girl. Count that author as one positive vote for Maureen. But still, it's mind-boggling that Maureen wasn't showered with awards. 
not by the AAU, not at her school. Maureen was celebrated only really in her track club family. So Mr. Sim, one of the fathers in the track club, uh, built me a trophy in his garage, and he bronzed the shoe that I wore that day and had it put on, and there's also a little trophy person running and a picture of myself at the end of the run. Yeah, the shoe is pretty incredible. The sole is worn down, the laces tightly clenched, and it's bronzed, like really, really bronzed. It's a beautiful presentation, but made by a dad in the running club, not by any official body. No doubt, the resistance to Maureen's run stifled its wider impact. But more tragically, each comment pummeled the joy out of Maureen's accomplishment. Sure, she raced all the time. Sure, this was not the first record she set. But that Maureen didn't feel the magnitude of her effort, that she decided somewhere along the way that it wasn't worth celebrating or even talking about, that's the tragedy. Three years after the record, Maureen quit the team and became a normal teenager. Her friends from the track club were older and they'd all moved on. The appeal of spending all that time practicing and traveling waned, and her career as a competitive runner was over. Over at age 16. Maureen graduated from high school, went on to college for a while, got married to Paul. Worked at a bank for years, had kids, and then decided to follow her passion. Today, Maureen is a dog trainer and groomer. At home, Maureen and her husband Paul have a dog named Harmony. Harmony is sweet, but also one of those pure muscle dogs that you'd cross the street to avoid. You've probably heard barking or chewing on a bone in the background of our interview. That's Harmony. Maureen is very passionate about her work with dogs. You, you moved on from your running life, it sounds like. Did it come up at all with new people that you met? Not really. No, it didn't come up. With every year, her record receded further and further into the background. It was like one run that was kind of surrounded by not great stuff. (laughs) Maureen just never talked about it. Not with her friends, not even with her daughter. Meanwhile, women's running advanced around her. Women were allowed into the Boston Marathon in 1972, after the AAU permitted women's participation in the distance in late 1971. Title IX opened up opportunities for a wave of women looking to compete. More women were beginning to sign up for races. Women were no longer considered freaks for tackling long distances, and Catherine Switzer was repeatedly heralded for her accomplishments in women's running. With more women competing, the marathon record dropped and dropped In 2003, Paula Radcliffe set the women's marathon record at 2 hours, 15 minutes, and 25 seconds. A record that still stands. That's almost exactly an hour faster than Maureen's record. Maureen sometimes watched track on TV, but she really didn't see or experience its growth. I wanted to ask, like, we have these kind of like household names of um, women's running revolutionaries, if you will. Mm -hmm. There's, you know... Catherine Switzer, there's Bobby Gibb, uh, Joan Benoit Samuelson. You had almost the same, if not more, credentials to be on that list and be a household name as a women's running revolutionary. I don't think so because I didn't continue. I was a kid when I stopped. Like these people ran 
for years and years and years. I guess the Olympics is really the big thing where the big names come in. When you run the Olympics, that's when they remember you. No, but like Catherine Switzer. Oh, yeah, but she's done so much, so much um, good in the world. She's been on Oprah. (laughs) This tended to be the theme in our conversation. Whenever we tried to nail Maureen down to get her to own her accomplishments, she deflected. I don't The whole team was good. I just had this little part that I was good at distances, but the whole team was at the same level I was except for the distance. While we were putting Maureen on the spot, she was fiddling with her necklace. Not long into the conversation, her necklace snapped. We were pushing her hard, but it came from a place of admiration. I mean, we were so excited to be talking to her. We wanted to know why she didn't shout her accomplishment from the rooftops. At first, it sounded like she just didn't like bragging. And that's and that's true. She really does not like bragging. But she also doesn't want to put people in an awkward situation. It's just not something you would come out with if you don't think people are interested or you don't know them that well. It was never brought up without apprehension, I don't think. Because, because I feel like people aren't into it. Non-runners, okay. But what about runners? Maureen did start running again. She was inspired by her daughter's interest in the sport. She joined a running club, but she did not tell the people in the running club about her record. In the late 2000s, a Canadian reporter caught wind of Maureen's record, and so he got in touch. And he actually arranged for a reunion of sorts with Catherine Switzer. Maureen and Catherine would reunite to run the Toronto Half Marathon in 2009. And here's the thing. This half marathon, it was a revelation for Maureen. She had to tell me what a chip was. I didn't know that they drove your back, your your bags down to the starting line. There were some, I'm going, what is that? What's a chip? Like, I had no idea what was going on. It was all new. She's like looking at me like, you're like Rumpelstiltskin. Like you've been asleep for 40 years and now you've woken up in this world of marathons. So... Maureen returned to racing after 40 years away. And when just as we're starting, I said, oh my gosh, listen to the sound of the footsteps. She's like, yeah. I said, wow, that's incredible. All these people running, like it was amazing. I'd never heard it. That many footsteps all at once. I was used to like 30 people in a race. You don't get that sound. I don't know. I, I just, I'd seen it on TV, but it didn't click. You know, I just... So, but to be a part of that, watching it grow from then till now, it's amazing. Maureen set off with Catherine, but eventually they split. Not long into the race, this guy started running next to Maureen, and they were almost about the same pace. So they started chatting. He's, you know, I said, you know, have you done many of these before? And I don't know, he'd done so many, and we just started talking about it. And he said, have you ever done one? And I said, yeah, I did one when I was a kid. I ran the full. And he just said, oh. 
it was really cool because he was like, oh, I don't know. I'm getting tired. I don't think I can do this. And I'm like, come on, we can do it. And so I encouraged him. And then for the last five, I was like, you know what? I'm done. And he's like, no, no, come on. So we did the whole thing together. And to me, that connection was awesome. And we ran through the starting line, like (laughs) through the finish line like that. It was great. Did you uh, ever like tell him or? No. (laughs) He gave you the perfect opening too. Because I don't know why. It's just I'm afraid of people's reaction. Like, are they not going to be interested, or would they be interested? Sometimes I, sometimes I have I have told people, and they look at me and they like, just okay. I thought about it. I did think about it, and I thought, oh, well, what is he going to say? <laughs> I have a lot of that trust kind of gone because I'm. I feel like I'm different. I was different then, I'm different now from what most people are doing. I have a lot of knowledge in what I do and I have a lot of respect for myself with everything I have learned and accomplished with the work that I do with dogs. But I'm still afraid when somebody says, what do you do for a living? So I feel have that same feeling with the running because it's just, it was, maybe it's changed now and maybe my mentality is still back where it was then. Doing workouts, running through neighborhoods, having kids yell at us about wearing sweatpants. So I do have that apprehension because I know that I do things that are, I get into things that are different that most people aren't doing. Mine are more on the athletic side. So I guess that's where I've gotten that apprehension from. From running? Mm Mm-hmm. Just the whole story of of the running, the way that went, and then where I've come. It doesn't mean I don't respect what I've done, or it doesn't mean I'm not proud of it. It doesn't mean, it just means I I don't want to bring it up because you never know how you're going to get it back. And I just want to stay in my own. I know I've done okay, so that's where I want to stay. I found this whole explanation so heartbreaking. At 13, she was not impervious to the social pressure around her. And the reactions she got 50 years ago, and since, still affect her actions today. I feel like over the decades, we've failed Maureen. But slowly, slowly, there have been a few moments where she's gotten the recognition she deserves. At that same half-marathon reunion, Catherine Switzer gave a speech. She's used to sharing her own story, but... Catherine took this occasion to share Marines, too. She talked about being invited to run this marathon in Canada back in 1967, two weeks after her famous run in Boston. She talked about running in the same race as a little girl who was going for the women's marathon record. And then Catherine finally revealed that the little girl was sitting at the table up front. And then she said, will you please stand up? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) They clapped. It was unbelievable. That was my day. (laughs) 
that was my day. That was my moment. Like she gave me what I didn't get. And probably in more so because there were probably more people at that dinner than there were at the, at the finish line. When Maureen got home, there was an email in her inbox from someone in her running club. It said simply, we know who you are. Which pleased Maureen that people she knew knew about the record and that they were excited about it. And the bonus? She didn't even need to deliver the information herself. Okay, granted, we do work at a running magazine, but we'd venture to say that most people who hear about this would think that her accomplishments are amazing. And actually, we decided to test this theory. Remember that guy that Maureen ran the half marathon with? They ran and finished together, but she'd never told him about her record. Well, after we left Maureen's house and flew back to the States, we tracked that guy down. And we gave him a call. If she wasn't going to brag about her marathon record, we wanted to do it for her. Hello. Hello. Hello, how's it going? This is... Rico Medeiros and... Uh... Uh, I'm Kit with Runner's World. We've also got on the line uh, Rachel Swaby. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for letting us ambush you. Yeah. yeah not a problem. <laughs> Surrounded by mystery here. Exactly. Kit sent Rico some pictures of Maureen, and Rico remembered running with her eight years ago. He didn't know who she was, but he had a really good time chatting with her. He remembers she didn't say much about her running history. So we filled in the details. We're calling because uh, we wanted to let you know that you were running next to a former world record holder in the marathon. Damn. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. I I could tell she was fast, but holy, holy. <laughs> yeah, that's really crazy. Being 13, so I have a daughter that is turning 13 right now, and she has trouble running a kilometer at full pace, uh, let alone 42 kilometers. That's crazy. We're coming up now on the 50th anniversary of her run. Um, we were wondering if you wish that maybe she'd told you while you were running. Yeah, you kind of like get goosebumps, I would say. I'd be like, holy crap, like pretty damn impressive. I think I would have been like, oh, let's get a picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's super neat when people are both kind of, I would say, down to earth and don't really brag that much. So it's like a real cool balance. But yeah, for sure, I would, have, I would have been totally in awe. We are in awe, too. I don't know. I feel good. I feel good about it. It was an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, it was an accomplishment. And, and it, you know, it, I was part of changing it. A very small part, but part, it brought, it brought attention to that and pushed it into a new zone. Women running marathons. Okay, so on May 6th, it will be 50 years since Maureen's amazing accomplishment. And I was just at the Boston Marathon. And it had been 50 years, too, since Catherine Switzer finished her race and there was so much fanfare. There was international press waiting for her at the finish line. She had a banquet. They retired her bib 261. It can never be used at any more races again. 
So we wanted to ask Maureen. We're coming up on the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of the marathon itself. Do you do you have any plans for the day? Not really. <laughs> I wasn't going to do anything, no. Why not? Uh, why do you want to come for dinner? <laughs> we'll have a party. Well, you're inviting. Well, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> why not? I don't know. Why not? Maybe I'll take a trip and go for a run with Carolyn. If Maureen isn't going to do anything to commemorate that incredible feat 50 years ago, we are going to have to do something for her. Carolyn, Maureen's daughter, lives far from her mother now, but Carolyn also has a few words for her. Congratulations, Mom. You're still my hero and always will be. And I'm so proud to be her daughter. And then, Maureen, a little token of appreciation. Barry Winkle Flowers, Jessica speaking. Hi there. I want to order some flowers for delivery. Certainly. What day would you like them to go? May 6th. What would you like to say on the card message? Um, okay. So it'll say, it'll be addressed to Little Mo. It's been 50 years since your world-changing run. We just wanted to thank you for everything you've done for the sport. You really are a revolutionary. Keep running. This episode of Human Race was produced by me, Rachel Swaby, and Kit Fox. With feedback from Christine Fennessy, Sylvia Ryerson, and Brian Dalek. Theme music by Danny Koch. David Willey is the editor-in-chief of Runner's World and the editor-in-chief of this podcast. Human Race is a proud part of Panoply. As you know, and as we've said over and over, the 50th anniversary of Maureen's marathon record is on May 6th. And if you would like to say something to Maureen you can shoot us an email at rwaudio at rodale.com. That's rwaudio at r-o-d-a-l-e dot com. And we'll make sure that she gets those messages. You can also see pictures of Maureen running her world record marathon at runnersworld.com slash audio. We'll see you again in two weeks. <laughs>